0: for the Signal 50 podcast, where we talk about the hard truth about today's current events. Good evening, everybody. It is Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. And I just have a special guest with us tonight, Professor X. Uh, Bravo is on assignment serving his community this evening. He's all tied up. Professor X, how are you this evening, sir?
1: I'm doing well, Alpha. How are you, sir?
0: I am doing just fine. I'm really glad that you were able to make time to join us tonight. Uh generally speaking, on the podcast, we, we tend to stick to news stories, politics, etc. We're gonna cover a little tiny bit of that, but really wanted to get into a topic, uh, not so much the politics of it, but the but the Americanness of the of the Second Amendment and, and what it means, what it really means to us, uh myself and and I know Professor X. It's near and dear to his heart as well, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, so anyhow, without any further ado, just want to get into a couple little things. You know, the the COVID crisis keeps on raging on and on, and we keep dragging that on forever. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't really bring Professor X on to talk about that, but I just want to get his perspective. He might live in a little bit different place than I do. So what's your perspective on that, Professor?
1: Uh, my perspective is that we, I live down in the south southeast, and almost no one around here adheres to any of the masks or anything else. Uh, I'm quite guilty of that as well. Um, but I guess the flu doesn't exist any longer. But yeah, it's just one of those things that you know. I, I'm not going to say it's not something that's that's not real, but you know, I'm not going to be going for any type of vaccination. I don't feel like. Uh, there's been enough research done into it. Um, you know, the FDA and all of that has been set up for a reason. Um, and I don't know. I'm not seeing a whole lot of influence down here with it. You know, they said the Southeast would be the, the problem, and I, I believe it. Does that make sense?
0: Well, absolutely it makes sense. You know, and, and you know, it's really funny. I have friends that live uh, in Florida, and they always, you know, everybody, all the politicians always point to Florida with a with a dirty finger and say, oh, it's all your fault. Firstly, nobody down there has been wearing a mask for quite some time. Correct. The, the schools have remained open this entire school year for the most part for in-person learning, and they haven't had any problems. Uh, They have some of the oldest uh, folks, uh, some of the oldest Americans, uh, retirees live down in in that area, and they don't seem to have any uh, real problems. Uh, So I I just don't understand what the issue is.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I'm a little bit of a, I've always been a little bit of a germaphobe myself. Uh, so when all of the hand sanitizing and all of that came about, that's something that should have been in place in the first place. Of course, that's going to help with any type of, you know, uh, spread of, you know, the you know, influenza or anything like that. So I was happy to see that, but you know, as well as I do, uh, these little masks, they're not doing anything. Um, they're just keeping some droplets to yourself. They're not going to keep you from catching anything. Right.
0: I think even by the CDC's own numbers, I believe the effectiveness of stopping any kind of viral material with these T-shirt masks, and and that's basically what this is. It's a light T-shirt strapped around your ears uh, with a gap between your nose and your cheeks, uh, whereas an N95 is a fitted mask, um, unless everybody's wearing an N95 mask, nobody's wearing one kind of thing. I believe it's 0.5 percent. It stops 0.5 percent of any kind of viral material that may become airborne uh, uh, due to
1: whatever. Yeah. So now I would agree, stopping you know droplet transmission from someone coughing. That's about uh, the only benefit I see from it. Uh, other than that, you know, I, I'm very guilty of not wearing one. I will tell you that life didn't really change for us down here in the south at all. Uh, I know a lot of businesses shut down, um, even where I was at, but nothing, nothing really changed. We just saw a decrease of, I guess, elderly traffic. That's a, that was about it.
0: Right, and and I think that makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, if you're a vulnerable person, I mean, you you don't quarantine healthy people, right? In, right. in a situation like this. You, if you are elderly or susceptible, or comorbidity, and, and you are susceptible to something like this, you know, use your judgment and stay home. We don't need the government to dictate to us our, our safety. So I think that's really a different picture from where you live to where I live. Uh, everybody knows I live in the Mid Atlantic region. Uh, that's been on the program here, and that's as far as we'll go. I live in the D.C. You know, the uh, Capital Regional District. Yes, sir. And they've gone absolutely overboard here with everything. Um, One thing I will say, my employer, we have, for the first month, we telecommuted. And then after that, it was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Everybody come back to the office. We're going to take precautions. We're going to do this. We've got 50 people working in an office. And and the law of averages says somebody's going to get sick, right? Correct. Nobody's been sick.
1: Yeah, we haven't been as fortunate. We've had one or two people um, turn up positive for that. And, you know, actually, both of them did have to go to the hospital for a little bit. It wasn't just one of those, I'm not feeling too well. Uh, They did go to the hospital, but they were older. And um, like I said, they made full recoveries and they were only gone maybe a week. And that was about it. But other than that, we've had no issues.
0: Well, I'm certainly glad to hear that. You don't like to hear about anybody getting sick at all. I mean, that's just not a good deal. Yeah. You know, anyhow, the they, the entire state where I live here, they, they've opened it up. The governor's uh, gave up his emergency powers and they stopped the disaster declaration. And they went ahead and opened up the county. I mean, excuse me, opened up the entire state to, okay, you have to wear a mask but restaurants, bars, et cetera, et cetera, can open with a couple of little caveats in there. But everything's at a 100 percent capacity. Unfortunately, the tyrants that run our county executive board here uh, and an unelected official who's the county health commissioner has decided that they are going to stay with the draconian uh, lockdown. It's it's just it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, that's crazy uh there will be a lot of businesses to shut down because of this if they haven't already um it's it's going to impact the economy it already has and then with everything else that's coming down the pipe from you know what i'm talking about from tax hikes to you name it this is going to be hate to say it i think we're in for some really dark days
0: yeah I, i i firmly believe that uh You know, everybody complained about the last administration, but I I think you're going to really miss the last administration here uh, in very short
1: order. I wholeheartedly agree with that.
0: You know, uh, they didn't like the last president because he tweeted mean things. Okay. So it's just insane. Anyhow, listen, tonight's show is about something a little bit different. Uh, Generally speaking, we've never covered the Second Amendment in depth at the Signal 50 podcast. Uh, Myself, I've been a lifelong uh, gun owner and 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 shooter and enthusiast. Uh, I'm also engaged in the trade in a manner of speaking and I've worked on several uh, direct fire ammunition and weapon programs uh, for the government uh, in my capacities. Uh, I've been an instructor and a few other things. Um, It's very meaningful to me as a, a, just a regular citizen to have that second amendment right and, and what it means is that's basically the foundation of America as far as I'm concerned it's how America started and it's how we've stayed the way we are and and it's more than just you know the second amendment the you know the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed it's got meaning i don't know about you uh, professor but for myself, it, it's got a deep meaning. It's more than it's not self defense. It's it's a bit of a lifestyle, right? And it's a lot absolutely. of absolutely. And it's a lot of a challenge, right? Yes. It it's not about you know having guns to have guns. It's about competing and learning and teaching. I don't know how do you
1: feel about it. Uh, very similar to you when you were uh, reading off your background, that's almost a carbon copy of me and what I do, my background. And, you know, I grew up shooting. Um, it's, you know, I don't know your exact age, but I, I would assume we're probably in our, uh, somewhere in the late forties and fifties, mm-hmm. but you know, it was a way of life. Like you said, you know, and especially growing up in the South, you know, growing up hunting, learning to shoot at a, young age you know we had shooting teams in school i mean that stuff is still there uh, but maybe i I don't know what it's like uh, where you're located but we still have those um, in some of the schools around here but it's becoming less favorable they've demonized it so much but just like you said it's more than it's more than just about collecting guns it's more than just about self-defense it's like i said it's you know it is a way of life i grew up around them i grew up competing with them Uh, I enjoy it. It is a challenge. It's no different than someone liking golf. It, 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 you know, demonize it all you want. It's a tool. It's how it gets used. You guys all know that. Um, But it's it's like you said, it has meaning. Um, They could not have written it any clearer, shall not be infringed. And they keep trying and trying and trying. It it drives me nuts. It it
0: really does. And and I'm a firm believer that you know, without the Second Amendment, you don't have the first. And and I see a lot of what's going on right now. And it's, you know, not to get too political off the bat here about it. It's, it's getting a little bit, it's getting a little bit unnerving to me.
1: Absolutely. And see, you know, growing up around that, and I've spent a lot of time overseas, uh, like you have in our uh, conversation that we had earlier. And, you know, being, you know, in Germany and all of these other places in Europe where it's, it's it's verboten. You you can't have them. You know, you might, if you had enough money and if you had enough this, that, and the other, and you're a hunt club, you know, you can have a bolt action, but, you know, firearms or things like that, or I've had people over from Europe uh, visiting and just for them, you know, what do you want to do when you get to America? The first thing I want to do is shoot a, you know, shoot a handgun. Uh, And, you know, for them that, that right was taken away. And, you know, you're continually seeing it, you know, the uk and australia and then not to say they don't have guns they've just been so restricted on what they can have shall not be infringed i feel like we should be able to have everything we should be able to have what uh, i hate to say this but it's the truth we should be able to have what law enforcement and what military has Mm -hmm. you know to a point we're not talking about you know you know, rockets or anything like that. We're talking about, <laughs> we're, we're talking about small arms or what right. I consider, you know, people's idea of small arms are different. Um, but, you know, we should be able to have that because it was a check system for us. That's right. That's exactly what it is.
0: I, I completely agree. And this issue has been so politicized and it's so drilled into the psyche of certain groups of people in this country, you know, a little short story here, Uh, My, my young daughter, well, young at the time, when we moved to where we moved to, which is a kind of a blue state, we lived in one of the big box states out in the Midwest, in the upper Midwest. And it was like shooting, hunting, fishing, you know, all of those things. It was like everybody did. it; Everybody was engaged in some kind of an outdoor activity. Correct. My daughter. And her school, they had a national archery in the school's program, which is a wonderful, wonderful program for kids to learn archery. They shoot in the gym. They use Matthews equipment. It's all top-notch stuff. And they go and they have an opportunity. 1.2 million children participate in this sport. And this isn't firearms, people. So I'm going somewhere with this. 1.2 One point two million children, school aged children, participate in the National Archery in the Schools program every year. Now, what happens is, what happened was we we moved, and my daughter was fortunate enough to be good enough on a team. They made nationals three years in a row. My daughter shot, you know, high high in her age bracket. She placed third in the nation uh, a couple of times. And her team was second high team in the country out of 1.2 million children for three years in a row. They play second. Nice. Okay. They did very, very well. So, okay. Fast forward uh, about a year and we move here. We're at the orientation to get her into her new school. And they're like, well, what activities does your daughter like to do? And I said, well, she's a competitive archer. And they're like, well, what, what, what does that mean? I was like, oh, she shoots a bow and arrow for competition. She really enjoys that. She's been doing it for, you know, like four or five years, and she's become really good at it. And they said, do you mean she has access to a weapon? To a weapon. And I was like, what do you mean a weapon? And they're like, "Well, well, her bow and arrow, that's a weapon. She wouldn't bring that to school and hurt anybody, would she?
1: Well, I guess they're going to do away with baseball and softball and all that as well. Huh. Uh, you no, know, re- realistically speaking, at what point do they stop? You know, a bat is a weapon. Um, yeah. huh. Seriously. And, you know, where is that line drawn? Um, it, it, it is very bothersome, especially what's going on today. You know, in, in society with, I mean, it really makes you wonder. Um, I'm going to take off on a little bit of a tangent here, but. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I mean, I keep up with the news quite a bit, but I'm mm-hmm. not one that watches TV per se. And I keep up with current events, but there's more and more about, uh, and I am pro-police 100%, um, but I'm starting to see a lot of videos, a lot of channels Uh, on YouTube and all of this is, you know, axiom footage from, uh, from chess cams and car cams and some of the, some of the things that I'm seeing, I'm not, I'm not liking, uh, for, for lack of a better word, uh, I'm seeing a lot of bad calls. I'm seeing a lot of, um, and, and like I said, this is going to be kind of going off on a tangent, but it's something that I've been following pretty closely here lately. Um, and I don't want this to be looked at as any type of uh, police bashing or anything like that, but I'm seeing a lot of, maybe it's because the pool is getting a little smaller for who wants to actually be in law enforcement, but I'm seeing a lot of young law enforcement make really, really bad decisions. And, you know, these these bad decisions are being upheld in court where, you know, you look at it and you're like, whoa. Um, his rights were just stepped all over. And sure enough, you know, the, the follow up videos to that, you know, talk about the court cases that are being won against these departments and these payouts and these settlements. And um, it's very disconcerting to me. And, you know, you and I, I guess, we have always relied on the fact well, if it ever comes down to that and, you know, our Second Amendment is just, you know, is, is in jeopardy, they'll do the right thing. I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, I think the number of people that would actually do the right thing for the oath that they swore when they took that position, I believe that number is dwindling you know i I, I hope I, I'm wrong, but I, I don't feel I am
0: i I, I hope you're wrong too um, I firmly believe though I, I do firmly believe that they're at the end of the day i I, I think. It would be a, a foolhardy enterprise to go ahead and try to execute mass confiscation of firearms in this country. I, I don't think I
1: don't think that would happen, and I agree with you completely. Yeah. Um, as long as communication is set up, I think there's enough uh, people that out there that feel strongly enough about the Second Amendment. There, if you look at any law enforcement agency, look at the combination of military. I mean, we far outnumber all of them. Yes. Um, and unless yes. you could hit every single location simultaneously, there's not enough manpower to make it happen. No.
0: No, that would be that would be a doomsday scenario for this country and it would, absolutely will be. And that would be that would be very bad and we don't, you know, look,
1: I I don't I don't advocate for any of that, right? No, no, and that's not where I'm going with this, right. but even if you look at um was it uh, where was the, where was the one shooting? Uh, it's uh is it Finland? Where, where where were they trying to do the uh, confiscation of all the firearms where they had the shooting? They, they had, had a big shooting
0: high. in Norway.
1: Yeah, is that the one where they uh, did away with all of the firearms and they expected everyone to turn them in? And I believe at this point they've only recovered they've only gotten like fifty percent or something like that of the firearms turned in.
0: Can't recall exactly. I can't recall exactly, but uh, we just know that that's never going to happen. Oh, New Zealand. It was oh. in New Zealand. Yeah, it was New Zealand. That's right. That's correct. That's right. New Zealand. That is correct.
1: And, you know, and, you know, even in Canada, you know, one of their rebuttals is we don't have the Second Amendment here. And they don't. We do. And that was established long ago. And we've got to remember, you know, that that is in place.
0: Well, it is in place and, and it's an important thing. And it, it's what separates us and makes us a fair and, and you didn't go on a tangent at all with this. You're you're exactly spot on. The Second Amendment is what differentiates us as a free country from others. Absolutely. And it's it's a keystone of our society and our constitutional republic. And we're not a democracy, people. We're a constitutional republic, okay? A representational republic. Yeah. Even though we're not really being represented very well right now, but that's another story for another time. So listen, you know, all the politics aside, Professor, you shoot in a lot of competitions. Why don't you, why don't you tell us and tell the listeners what that's really like? And, you know, the, the soup to nuts kind of experience and the lead up and the event and the people you're surrounded with and to give people the real sense of, of real people that shoot in this country. Maybe they've never heard it before.
1: Okay. So, you know, that, that is a huge sport and that's exactly what it is, is. It's a sport, you know, whether you're a golfer, whether you're a tennis player, you know, people have things that, that they enjoy doing, you know, so you might only be a hobbyist, you know, maybe you're a golfer and you've been golfing for 10 years and you just enjoy the absolute living daylights out of it. Maybe you'll never be that seventies golfer. Um, But you still go out, you still enjoy it. Now, in shooting and shooting sports, you have so many uh, levels of competition, everything from USPSA, uh, which, you know, basically that's going to be pistol shooting. It's shooting. It's on the move. You're under the clock shooting against others. You have three gun competition, which is pretty much dead now because you can't afford to do it because. You know, there's no ammunition or you can't. People that have ammunition that have stored enough ammunition are not going to burn it, knowing, not knowing when they can replace uh, what they have, um, you know, right now. You know, because you guys know if you reload or even if you don't, if you go to the store, you can't find ammunition. If you do reload, you don't want to keep reloading. And then all of a sudden you find yourself without it. You don't want to keep pulling from that cookie jar and wake up one day and find out that you have no more cookies. That's right. So three gun is probably like, just consider that the X games of shooting, because you've got to be very proficient, not only with your pistol, uh, but also with your shotgun and also with a long gun, some type of, you know, sporting rifle, we'll call it that. And you've got to make split second decisions on how you want to shoot this or when you have malfunctions on how to clear them. Um, it truly is the X games uh, because most big three gun competitions, especially on a nationals level, um, you can shoot one stage 15 different ways by the same squad of 15 shooters um, because it's how you want to play that game. And you can also play to your strengths and weaknesses. You know, if you're a strong, strong pistol shooter, but maybe not so good with your shotgun. Uh, or maybe your long gun, whatever the case is, Um, you've got three gun. Then you have long-range competition. One of the most exploding sports right now in the shooting world is precision rifle shooting. Um, That's why you saw almost every manufacturer kind of start redirecting their energies and their engineering to long gun platforms. Um, Daniel Defense did it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, they were—they make a great AR, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Yep. But then they started looking into the bolt guns. Uh, you had JP uh, with JP's rifles. They started doing bolt guns, and so that became—you know there's always been this aura around this, this, this unknown about you know a sniper and long range shooting and all of that. Um, and I think people started to embrace it. Electronics started to change that right. game and how it was played with items like kestrels uh which are basically um ballistic solvers for you you know they're going to read your wind your environmentals um it makes it a lot easier than someone keeping a sniper data log book um right you know, in paper form so now pretty much anyone can go let's pretend let's go back a year uh, let's say you could go into any store and you could buy you a tika off the shelf you could yep. Get you a, a Kestrel, and the next thing you know, you're making 1,000-yard shots. I mean, back well, in the late Well, 80s. wait a
0: minute. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on one second, Professor. I remember back in the day, I'm sitting there with a Remington 700 Sendero. Yes, Okay? Sir. It was what you could get at the time. Yep. With the HS Precision stock. Remember that, I the remember. pebble gray?
1: Oh, yeah. I remember. It was marbleized almost.
0: Yes, it was. And the predecessor
1: yes, to that was, of course, the Remington 700 PSS, and that was the choice for law enforcement.
0: Yes, it was. And it, it's still a damn fine gun. Absolutely. Damn fine gun. Now, in three hundred eight caliber, which was the predominant cartridge back in the day when you and
1: I were both coming up, right? It, it, it probably still is for yes. Ellie, Yeah. Uh, but that is starting to change. Yes, it is.
0: The predominant cartridge, in, in, when we were coming up, basically cannot compete in today's competition world. Absolutely okay? correct. Things have changed so much. The idea of making a thousand-yard shot back when I was coming up and learning how to shoot long-range or precision, what what they would call today precision rifle, we just called it shooting at the quarry, okay? yeah. The, the idea of being able to make a thousand yard shot was an absolute pipe dream.
1: Correct. Uh, number one, finding a facility that could accommodate that. Uh, if anybody was in the Marine Corps that's listening and you've been out to the, you know, the, the Hathcock sniper range, you know, you might've had that ability there, but for most people, they never had the ability to go to a range and shoot or even attempt to shoot that type of distance. Well, now every state has multiple ranges with a thousand plus yards out to a mile. Uh, I do know that, you know, being in the Southeast, I know where a lot of these long ranges, uh, these longer, longer range ranges are, and they're popping up everywhere. I know in the last year, there's been three to, Pop up really close in South Carolina. I mean, one just cut in two thousand two hundred yards. Right, you started seeing all this ELR shooting where guys are shooting a couple of miles now <laughs> uh, because because the the equipment came up. The you know back in those days you you just hunted and searched for that PSS that was a sub MOA gun that was the requirement, and now pretty much any off the shelf go to you know what academy sports or wherever almost all the guns now will hold some MOA. Yep. At least for the first five or 10 shots. Yeah, they absolutely will. Yeah. And so that changed everything. So, so technology changed that game and made it much easier. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been able to take someone out, put them on a thousand yard. And we're not talking about a target, the size of a car. We're talking about a 10 by 10 steel. And within one or two shots, Yeah, of course I'm doing the work for them, but then I would teach them, you know, how we do this, how we come up with those solutions, but yeah, they're hitting that steel within a few shots, less than 10 shots. I'm going to have you hitting that steel. Right. And then as far as, you know, a mile, believe it or not, you can actually do that with the 308s now because you have all the hybrid, the, the ELD bullets, um, it's changed and it's changed the game and, you know, for the better.
0: Well, technology has definitely uh, come a long, long way. I mean, there were some people out there in the world of long range shooting that were really pushing the envelope when we were coming up like the David Tubbs of the world. Correct. And we never had access to his information and the technology until the means of communication became more available. Like the Internet has been the biggest propagator of, of all of this knowledge. In in the long range game, in the information sharing, like professor and I will get on a a call and we'll do a, you know, some, another thing somewhere else. And, and we get field questions and I, I, I can't hold a candle to professor X over here in certain ways, but I can hold my own and he can hold his own. And what we try to do is we try to educate people. We try to make people better at what they do so they enjoy it more and they pass that knowledge along to someone else.
1: Correct. Uh, It's not only about passing it along to, you know, younger generations. You know, I've got my daughter shooting as well. You had your daughter, you know, I think outside of archery, I think she shot as well. And, uh, you know, it's passing that on and instilling in them that, hey, this is, this is your right. You need to know how to use this. It is a tool. Um, you know, and just to continue on with all the different shooting, I mean, we can't forget about the guys that do trap and skeet and five-stand and oh, sporting clays. Yeah. And, you know, you've got small board. There's just so many different facets of shooting. Um right. You know, and it, it's a shame because, you know, you're starting to see, and I don't know if it's changed completely. Maybe you know about this, but like even with like biathlons, they've kind of moved away from rimfire. Some of them still do it, but then a lot of it's air gun now or air rifles. And I'm not taking anything away from those because some of those actually are more powerful than, than 22. But those are the guys that are shooting the and shoots. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when you ask me this question, there's so many different things you can do. Look at what they're doing with 22 long rifle ELR shooting. They're that's taking right. twenty twos and shooting out to five hundred yards in competition. It's one of the hardest things you can do because that's two- insane. Yeah, it is. Uh, you better know how to read the wind, <laughs> and <laughs> oh yeah, you, you know you're starting off with with rifles that you're going to already have thirty minutes to forty minutes of angle in the base itself, right? just so you can reach out to 500, and even then, you're still going to have to hold the reticle after you've maxed out your turret. It's insane.
0: Well, for everybody out there that's listening, when, when, we, when we use a technical term like 30 minutes of angle, a twenty-two long rifle is not a particularly powerful or fast or wind bucking type weapon. When we talk about 30 minutes in the base, that's an elevation of the tail end of the optic that crosses the tip of the barrel. Uh, so you gain elevation capability uh, towards the terminal end of the ballistics. Uh, correct me when I'm wrong, Professor.
1: No, that's correct. And see, C- just a th-
0: simple explanation.
1: Yeah. So very, very simple to to break it down even more. You know, back in the days of the Senderos and the PSSs, oh, yeah. everybody was running zero or possibly yep. ten minutes. Yep. Um, now, standard on most rifles are going to be twenty minutes of angle. Yep. Um, It's just a, and and don't let anyone confuse you guys. We can really simplify this. A minute of angle is just simply a unit of angular measurement. Okay. It's just broken down a lot smaller than degrees, but let's just, we're going to say this in lay terms. What we're trying to do is put X amount of, let's say, degrees of cant to what your scope mounts to so that you have more adjustment or more travel in the scope itself. And because we're shooting so far, we would really limit ourselves if we weren't canting that scope. So that's what this means.
0: Right. And that's why back in the day, about the limit of what you could do with the zero-zero setup on a 308 rifle, yards. seven, maybe 800 yards. That's yes. about it. Correct. And that's why I say... That 1,000-yard shot back in the day with a one-inch scope tube, and that's another thing. The technology and the optics and everything has advanced so far. It's fascinating when you want to get down into the weeds and the, and the geekiness of all the equipment. Yes. The optics have gotten just so much better, so much cheaper.
1: Correct. I mean, I remember back in late eighties, early nineties. Yep. In order, you know, and for those that don't know, there are two major types of scopes. You've had second focal plane and first focal plane. The only thing you need to know about that is on a second focal plane, your reticle never changes size. It is constant and the picture zooms as you change your magnification. On a first focal plane which just basically means that the reticle is in the first focal plane of the scope as you change magnification it will increase or decrease the size of the reticle that you see there are advantages and disadvantages of both but where i'm going with all this is back in the day a first focal plane scope you were looking at thousands of dollars and that's in late 80s, early 90s dollars. Yes. And now you can get first focal plane scopes from Vortex, like a diamond, for $300. That's right. And they're probably every bit as good
0: as the $3,000 scope you bought in the 80s. Correct.
1: They're probably better with tracking and everything else. Um, It's come a long ways. And so, you know, competition is great because it drives market prices down and creates innovation. It really does between manufacturers
0: well right and, and and innovation is another thing that's one of the aspects of the shooting sports to see the equipment evolve and it's not just about self defense it's just not about collecting guns. guns it's about it's about people using their noodle in unique ways i've seen so many developments over the years and so many different things come out and you look at something and you go god that that looks kind of gimmicky but you know it's not and, and you look at the way that the prices have been driven down, the fact that you can go to a sporting goods store and you can pick up a, a Ruger American rifle with a 22-inch barrel and 6.5 and Creedmoor for $425. And, and if you can find a box of, of Hornady ammunition to go with it, the ELDs, yep. and you put a Vortex scope on there for $300, for under $1,000, you're able to do what we used to spend multiples of that to do that couldn't even do it to hit a target at a thousand yards consistently and to be able to actually
1: be remotely competitive with a rig that's under a thousand dollars correct and even back in those days you were seeking out the best gunsmiths you know to put a custom crown on it to make sure it was perfect without any nicks on it you were having it glass bedded into the uh into the chat you know to the um the stock itself, uh, you know, pillar bedded, you were doing all these things to get that last little bit of accuracy. And you can go out, like you said, for a little over $400, you're walking out of the store with something that can do that.
0: It's amazing, right? You used to have to be a wizard to shoot a thousand yards. And now all you have to do is have about $600.
1: Yep. And an app on your phone. If uh, you don't want to spend the money on a Kestrel, there's so many apps out there, whether it's Android or whether it's iPhone, you can, download Streelock you know they have a free version uh, they have pro where you can do it it's S T R E L O K and right. that is that is a full bullet database of pretty much everything out there that will give you a solution based on the information that you put in there you've got to do the the initial okay well how fast is the bullet going what's mm-hmm. the ballistic coefficient and you're like well what's he talking about now well all of that information is usually on the side of the box now your mileage right. will vary based on your barrel length based right. on your twist rate but those are knowns that are going to be given to you now it might not be exact but you can true that data out to where it's giving you solutions that you will easily hit let's just say a torso sized target 7 800 yards easily was just a little bit of data input.
0: It's really taken the uh, the black art of long-range uh, shooting and, and condensed it down to essentially yep. plugging in uh, data. Correct. That's and it. all you have to do is be the idiot behind the trigger and remember a few fundamentals, and you can go out and do these things. And it's not about being a gun nut, and it's not about being you know, a prepper or any of these things, it shooting to me and shooting to the professor is. It's a sport, it's a vocation, it's something that we do for fun, enjoyment, and we do it as a profession. Correct. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's not about being violent and and people have the wrong idea about most gun owners. Like one of the things I asked a professor is you shoot a lot of competitions. I used to shoot a lot of competitions And speaking for myself, at the majority of these competitions, the people that I would meet, I've shot with people that are so far above my ability, but they were the humblest, nicest people I'd ever met in my entire life. I got stuck at the uh, Trigun Nationals at DPMS in Minnesota, near St. Cloud, and I know you know where that is. Yes, sir. I got stuck in a relay. I was shooting the Trigun Nationals out there with Jerry Micklin. Yep.
1: Shot with him many times.
0: I was in his relay, and I was absolutely speechless. Now, for anybody that doesn't know, that man's a living legend.
1: Okay. absolutely is.
0: <laughs> he's, you just look at the guy, and you look at him, and he's a little white-haired guy with a little mustache, glasses. Uh, he's got hands on him like a brick mason. Uh, And I don't know if anybody's ever seen the hands of a brick mason. I mean, he's got fingers on him as just like steel rods, right? This man is the fastest gun in the world. Full stop.
1: Yeah, it holds multiple national um, or world records. Um, I mean, everything from longest pistol shot to fastest. I mean, so many world records. I mean, the... The guy is just unbelievable. You know, he's sponsored by Smith & Wesson Performance Center. I've shot a lot with his daughter, uh, Lena Michalik. And, um, you know, just been around him a lot because they do hit a lot of the same matches that we go to because um, I've always prided myself in being competent in multiple shooting disciplines, not just, okay, a one-trick pony. For me, it's kind of like, I hate to use this analogy, but kind of like the thrill of the chase. Um, You know, what I want to try to do is if somebody – introduces a new type of sport to me that's shooting related, I want to try to learn everything I can about it. Total immersion, you know. And I want to try to, quote, unquote, master that, or at least I'm very, very competitive with it. If I really like it, I'll continue to stay with it. But if not, then I'll move on to a different type of discipline. Uh, But I really enjoy the shooting sports. Um, You know, there's more to the Second Amendment than just self-defense. You said it perfectly. The
0: the point is, you know, you're you're absolutely right, and and you want to learn everything that you can. And and this guy, just as an example, Jerry, this guy, there, there's nothing he can't do with a firearm.
1: I would agree with that. Okay, so one of the times that I shot with Jerry, uh, it was at the World Championships, and um, the World Championships are different in that you don't supply your firearms; they are supplied for you. The ammunition supplied for you. Uh, it puts everyone on the same playing field so that equipment NASCAR. There you go. But then again, there's, there's a lot of cheating in NASCAR. Um, Yeah. We won't talk about that. Um, You know, growing up in the South and being around a lot of different race teams. um, Yeah. And I know a lot about NASCAR now. I don't go anywhere. Uh But uh, when it comes to shooting some of these world, world events, They're really unique in that it'll bring manufacturers together and they'll say, I'll just give an example. We'll just say, I'm going to make something up. We'll say IWI comes out and they'll say, all right, we're going to supply 15 Tabor's for this stage. So when you get to that stage, and it's usually multi-gun, but what they'll do is, let's say there's 15 different stages that you'll shoot over the course of three days. Everyone's shooting the same ammunition that's provided by an ammunition company. They're shooting the same type of firearms. Now, there's 15 different Tavor's t- there, but if, let's say, Aimpoint happened to be, or Trigicon happened to be the sponsor, then those will all 15 be outfitted with those Trijicons or Aimpoints. Uh, you don't know how they'll shoot. Everything's supposedly zeroed when you get there, but it's luck of the draw. You really don't know. But what's unique about it is it covers all different facets so stage one might be a three-gun stage stage two might be a long-range precision rifle stage with bolt guns stage three might be silhouette small bore bianchi cup matter of fact it's one of the only times in my life i've ever beat that man was in an individual stage for um the modified camp perry Uh, i'm a pretty efficient (laughs) pistol shot and I and I ended up placing third in worlds on that, and I was like, you know what, this is my cup of tea. I'm pretty good at this, but <laughs> see Jerry shoot all of those disciplines. You know, I knew he could shoot a shotgun well, but I didn't know he could shoot a shotgun that well. <laughs> that came to trap ski. Uh, all <laughs> he pretty much cleaned everything, and I'm like, holy crud! He yeah. is a total package.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. When you when you watch him pick up a gun, it doesn't make any difference what it is. If a broomstick
1: could fire a bullet, he could make it work. Okay? Absolutely could shoot it faster than you could.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 He's he's That's unbelievable.
1: Faster than you could, too. <laughs>
0: exactly. The 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 point is, and and these guys are so good at what they do. And and Professor, you're awesome at what you do. Your game is long range these days. And and I get that. I when I was shooting with Jerry. I was just a young guy. Okay. I was just starting out. This was my first really big, big competition that I was ever in. And I was, to be honest with you, I was absolutely scared out of my pants. I I get paired up in a relay. I've got Jerry Michelek in my relay. He's right there. To say I was starstruck was a
1: little,
0: I was a little, you know, I was a young guy and he comes over to me, and I, he, I must have looked nervous before the first stage. He put his hand on my shoulder. He says, "He says, don't worry, young man. This will be over really fast. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And he, he was just kind of breaking my chops. He was trying to make me smile, make me laugh. And he was just, all of these guys, the point I'm trying to make is, all of these guys, no matter how good they are, yourself, myself, everybody that we know, The people that are genuinely involved with the Second Amendment and the shooting sports, we are teachers. We are
1: ambassadors.
0: That's right. We We are ambassadors for the sport. We are teachers for the sport. We advocate safety, responsibility, and training. I agree. This is not a a test of bravado to go out and shoot. The Second Amendment and owning guns is not that at all. And if that's what you're all about, then I'm not about you. Okay? This is a challenge. The Second Amendment is a gift given to us by our founders, and we have to keep it alive by being responsible, by being smart.
1: Yes. And I believe... Without getting into the politics, I think we're already starting to see the beginning of what they're going to try to do with, you know, the gun grabbing and everything else. I know that um, just a few days ago, I think it was uh, last Thursday or something, they're already going to start. I think it was the Charleston loophole or something like that. And, you know, if you don't understand what that was about, um, basically, and I don't know how how familiar you guys are. With the processes that go on. And it is going to vary by states. I I get that. Um, You know, some states, there's already, and I don't know what it's like where you're at, um, but some places have a 10 day cool off period. Some places, you know, don't. uh, We don't here. Basically, let's say you go into a gun store, whether you want to buy a long gun, uh, let's say you're going in to buy a long gun, sporting rifle, they're going to have to do the next check on you plain and simple, and it's either going to come back approved, delayed, or denied, right. okay? And so that's it. If it's approved, no problem. You you get your receipt. You leave with your rifle, and that's it. That's the way it is here, uh, like in, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina area. Um, if it's denied, then, of course, you don't get it for whatever reason. No, you had something in your past or whatever. It could be a mistake, but typically not. And then you've got delayed. Delayed means um, we really haven't decided, and so what that does is that tells the, I guess, the gun store owner that they can't release that firearm to you yet. So what they'll tell that person if they get it delayed is you've got to wait three days, and if we haven't heard back, which that happened quite a bit, um, you can then come pick it up and take off with it. I've actually seen that quite a bit, even with people that I know I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you're bad or whatever. It just means they just couldn't give you an instant response. I believe what they voted on last Thursday, and I don't know if there was anything else in this bill, but uh, what it was supposed to do is extend that to 10 days now. So for the states that got a delayed, it gives them now up to 10 days. And the excuse was so that the FBI or whoever could perform a more thorough next check. Is that what you understood from it as well?
0: Yeah, for the most part, I think that that pretty much sums it up.
1: Yeah, now, when they start trying to hide stuff, because my understanding is they're supposed to start going after online gun parts. We're not talking about online guns because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that you can't buy guns online direct. You're going to have to, right. you know, still have it transferred to a dealer. Now, that right. being said, I'm going to be devil's advocate here uh, because, uh, you know, Knowledge is everything. Let's go ahead and talk about it. So you do have these places like arms list and you could have an an individual that sees a firearm on arms list and they check their region. And now it's not going to go through a dealer. Now that's going to be a person to person sale. I believe this is the next thing they're going to go after. Um, because that responsibility technically falls on the person that's selling it. They're supposed to verify that you either, you know, have a concealed or that you're not a convicted felon. That's what's going to fall back on them. There are ways to buy guns online, but it's not through a dealer an FFL. It's going to be an individual person to person sell. You can't do that to an out of state person, right? Of any transaction uh, like that.
0: Um, and depending on what state you live in, there's still no face to face transactions. In certain states.
1: Yes. Now, like I said, every state's different. Like in right. North Carolina, South Carolina, you can still do those face-to-face transactions. Um, it's always recommended that you get a copy of their concealed. Uh, the burden of proof is going to lay on you if something happens and that person does something heinous with it. Um, yeah. and they say, well, how did you know this person wasn't a convicted felon? Well, I don't know. He gave me $300. You can't <laughs> You can't say that. You, you have to. You really want to show that you did your part well he showed me a concealed carry he showed me his license i verified it that's it now it would behoove you to get a copy of that and if somebody you know some people don't want to do that um and i understand i get it but if you want to protect yourself i always recommend you do that or go to an ffl and have the transfer done through the ffl well right
0: and I I think they're going to try to press for another assault weapons ban in this country for as much good as that did. Um, yeah. It's it's really funny. They want to ban assault weapons, but nobody can really define what that is. I mean, I can pick the stapler up off of my desk in the office and it can become an assault stapler, a semi-automatic assault stapler. Right. Okay, Yeah. So <laughs> what you do with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Watch out for my red stapler. But. You know how it goes, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's assault is an action, not an object, right? right? So, you know, listen, it's about being responsible. Do we want to see, you know, people like uh, Professor X and I, do we want to see everybody with a gun? The answer is yes, if you are not a prohibited person. The answer is yes. And we want you to be responsible. Is that a fair enough statement?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, I, uh you should definitely be responsible. You should definitely get the training required to at least be proficient with that. Um, right. You know, I, I agree with you completely on that one.
0: You know, I, I tell people, don't go buy a second gun. Just go out, buy a gun that that works for you. And and buy enough ammo that you could be comfortable with doing that, you know, when there is ammo on the market. And then go ahead, instead of buying another gun, go out and find a training class from a reputable instructor and at least learn how to be safe and proficient with that firearm, no matter what it is. It doesn't make any difference. Do we, do we sound unreasonable?
1: No, not at all.
0: Hmm. I guess there would be certain people out there that would beg to differ. But... You know, I guess there's no making some certain people happy. But, you know, listen, shooting is a fundamental part of the American fabric, and a lot of people don't understand why the NRA was even founded in the first place. Can you answer that trivia question there, Professor?
1: Um, I cannot, no.
0: Well, it had a lot to do with teaching Southern black folks how to shoot to protect themselves from the Klan. Interesting. No. Yeah. There were, there was a faction of the NRA that, that did that. Um, and it also promoted marksmanship and readiness uh, amongst the populace of this country in case we were called to war.
1: Well, see, this is where, you know, my days might go back, I don't know, a little longer. Like I said, we don't know exact ages here. But uh, back in the day, all that was done under CMP yes, uh, or DCM, actually. It was the yep of civil marksmanship that yes. has been sold off to CMP, which basically turned into a business, yeah. uh, but they used to, um, offer. And one Garand's, uh, surplus firearms to people that if you took your book and you actually shot in a, you know, a match and you could show that the club was registered as a DCM, um, basically authorized range that you could turn in that booklet. And I remember back in the day where you could buy, you know, an M1 Garand for, I think it was about $220 or so.
0: Oh my God. Don't I wish those days were still here.
1: Yeah. And oh yeah. Don't we all, don't we wish we had crates of those? Oh my God. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was something that was, I think that was originally put in place by the government, right? Yes, it was. Yep. And then, you know, because, it was a way of life. Everybody, I mean, come on. Remember the Sears and Roebuck catalogs? All, it was, it was, it's a way of life. And somehow that's changed.
0: Well, it's really funny. People have very short memories. You and I are exactly the same age.
1: Okay. okay.
0: I remember as a kid going to the mall in, in my locality where I used to live with my mom and dad. J.C. Penney's had a gun rack.
1: Yeah, we had Jesse Penney's around here as well.
0: Sears and uh, Roebuck yeah. had a gun rack.
1: Roses.
0: The Woolworths drugstore and lunch counter downstairs in the back corner of the store had a gun rack. Yeah. Okay. It was it's we woven into the fabric of American life. It is guns have been everywhere. And it's only recently in the modern information era that we hear about all the heinous things that do happen. Bad stuff has always happened. Now it's just really the volume is turned way up, and it's become a political hot potato. Yeah, and um, it's unfortunate. I
1: remember when WalMarts came up and they all had oh, yeah. sections, and you know now that's become a thing of the past. They've pulled all the ammunition. Uh, yeah, you'll still see some rifles there, but. Um, I believe we'll slowly see that go away and if it hasn't already gone away in your area, but yeah, it's crazy how, how much changed.
0: It is crazy, and it's really unfortunate. Well, anyhow, everybody, hey, Professor, really thank you very, very much for joining us tonight, joining me tonight for this discussion. You know, we hope everybody gets a little bit out of it. You know, uh, we have a lot of people that do download the podcast and and take us with you. We're at about an hour, and I know that you've got a long day ahead of you, and you've had a long day, so I just want to cut you loose here and cut it a little bit short. But you know what, everybody? The Second Amendment is for everybody. It's a it's a real sign of freedom, and it's been a real bellwether of our free society since our, our founding fathers decided to you know, tell the British to pack up and go home. And that didn't really work out very well. There was a little fight about that. Eventually, we won. The British came back, and we kicked their butts again after quite a beating we took. Uh, so everybody should understand that guns were the way this country was founded. And your way of life is standing on those liberties that were given to us. By our forefathers, and and they weren't perfect, but boy, they really had a lot of foresight, didn't they? Yes, they did. They were it's really, amazing. really super smart guys.
1: When they wrote that, they had the foresight to do that and think about it. Those guys were only twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two years
0: old, and they all signed their death warrant the minute they signed the Declaration of Independence as well. Yeah, same it's guys true. for the most well,
1: part. Thank you having me on. Uh, it was a very good conversation. I hope yes, we- sir talk again soon
0: yes sir i really look forward to it good luck in all your competitions out there and i'd like to throw out a a plug for our affiliate uh somebody that that you would know professor x uh patriot Ordnance factory of chandler arizona pof-usa.com nice yes we're we're honoring our our good friend frank uh pof-usa.com uh, makers of the finest AR-15 rifles made in the United States. And and I'm, I'm sure Professor and I would beg to differ on that a little bit. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to stand by that statement. I've, I I absolutely adore my POFs. Uh, really great, really great guns.
1: Yeah. No, I would agree with you on that point that they make some very, very great guns. There's a lot of good competition out there. I remember Frank. I spoke to him many times. But uh, once again, thanks for having me on. And yes, we'll sir. Talk to you soon.
0: All right, everybody. You have a great week. Uh, make it a good one. The weekend is almost here. The weather is starting to warm up, so keep the faith. We'd like to thank our soldiers, sailors, and airmen for protecting us 24-7, 365, our police, firefighters, and the MS out on the front lines that work with us every single day. And please feel free to visit our website at Signal50.com, Signal50.com. And we really, really appreciate you joining us tonight. Have a great week.
1: Ken, thanks for listening.
0: This is the end of our Signal 50 transmission.